We'll go to 2 Corinthians first. Then I'm going to go back to Ephesians. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul says to the church at Corinth in his second letter to them, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now look what he says in verse 2. But we, we faint not, we, we, we don't let things stop us from doing. Amen? That's what he's saying. And he had a lot of things to stop him from doing what God called him to do. That would have stopped normal people. But didn't, it didn't hinder him at all. He said we faint not. And that's what he's talking about. But we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. Like our government has not. Not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully. There are many that are handling the word of God deceitfully as we speak. They take the word of God and twist it to try to make it on there. There's one kicking right now on the LGBT, the homosexuals. Now they're saying that Paul did not mean to write against any loving relationship. Two men or two women. Incidentally, you know, our Senate has now passed a law about two men getting married and two women getting married. It was just the Supreme Court opinion. Now the Senate, and there were several Republicans that voted for that. Now it's law, but I'm going I'm to say it where it's, it's out in the public. There's no power on earth that could force me to marry two men or two women. No power on earth could make me do that. Will not do that. It will not happen in this church as long as I've got life in my body. Now, God set marriage. God said he made a male and a female. And he put them together and said it was good. And that is marriage. Nobody else... No other heathen religion or any other kind of religion has ever confirmed or begun marriage. Only God Almighty in the Garden of Eden. And he said a male and a female. And that's all. Any two men that say they're married, 
you've got one in your Department of Transportation. That dude that's ahead of the Department of Transportation. He has got a husband. And that's what you've got in Washington. Appointed by the Biden administration. Purposely trying. Trying to force all of that on us. Now, he's not married. And all of these trying to change their sex. They can't. You cut off and glue on, but you ain't changed a thing. Anyway, they try to take the word of God and twist it. Say, well, that doesn't mean a loving relationship. When, when the, the homosexuals weird themselves after God blinded them trying to find the door of Lot's house, they still would not desist. But they forced it on. And I'm telling you, that's where they are right now. And they're not going to be happy until they force it on this. Say, well, there's a lot more of them now. Yeah, because they're recruiting. They're not born. They are made. Homosexuals are not born. They're made. It is rebellion against God. Anyhow, but you've got so-called churches right now. They, they, they have backed off of preaching the Lord Jesus Christ and saying that you can have Christ as Savior and get Him as Lord later. Oh, they're saying it though. That's what they're saying. And that's so they can receive homosexuals into the church and say, well, we're going to try to teach them and they'll, they'll follow the Lord later. That's what I'm saying. Handling the Word of God deceitfully. And then Paul said... Uh, not walking in craftiness. Now that word in the Greek, I've told you before, it's a compound Greek word. Pon or goats. Pon means everything, anything. Or goats, a work. We get the word erg from it. That's how you determine how much effort is in work. Doing just anything. And that's what we've got in this world today. Doing just anything to get a crowd. Isn't that where we are? That's how you get crowds in these big churches. Get all the people there. You give them what they want. They like to go to rock concerts. So you turn your church into a rock concert. And that's what they've done. Everybody, not everybody, but most everybody, they... they Love Christmas. And so they turned the churches into a Christmas wonderland. We went in one to vote back in November. I've never seen so much in a church. You see them right in the pulpits and all that. We, we, we celebrate Thanksgiving Day. But we did not cancel our services on Wednesday night because Thanksgiving Day was on Sunday. But I know independent Baptist churches that did cancel the services on Wednesday night. Now you see the December the 25th will be Christmas Day. Wonder how many churches are going to cancel their services so they could go home and be with the kids on Christmas morning. Guarantee you there's going to be a bunch of them. Just do anything. That's what they'll do. 
Now look over to Ephesians chapter 4. And see what, what's brought all this on. Is all of this fraud out there. Lying and fraud. In Ephesians chapter 4. I've been there, it was not long ago. In verse 11 of chapter 4, as he writes to the church at Ephesus. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Actually, that pastor-teachers goes together. For the perfecting of the saints. He didn't say for the praying to them, but the perfecting of them. Maturing of them, what Brother Brown was talking about. And that lesson, somehow his lessons always seem to go right with what I'm going to preach. I don't know, but it did. Anyway, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, I cannot build up a universal invisible body. And that's what all of these religionists seem to be, be headed for. What they talk about is the, the body of Christ, universal and visible. No, this is local, visible. Amen. That's all it could possibly mean. Anyway, till we all come in the unity of the faith. He's talking to that church, that specific local church, and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man that's mature, Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And Brother Brown says there, we've got a whole lot of room to grow. We haven't got to that stature yet, that fullness of Christ. But this is also that we henceforth from now on be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men. Now that's not S-L-I-G-H-T. That's S-L-E-I-G-H-T. Now let me tell you what the slide of men is. You got the shell game. There's the ball. Now you see it. Now you don't. It's there. No, it's not there. It's there. No. The slide of hand. Magician stuff. And that's what happens out here. With religionists. By the sleight of hand, they twist this and twist that, and they pull in people that are gullible, that shouldn't be. Anyway, but, and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. Why? Why would they want to pull us away from the Lord? Well, that's their big, that's their big deal. They don't want us preaching the Straight truth of God. Orthodox. That's straight teaching is what that means. They don't want us insisting on that. That's why everything is, and here's the word, is ambiguous out there. You listen to them. Listen to many of the preachers. When they get done, you can't really tell what they've said. And that's on purpose. You see... Paul said he not, not with wisdom of words, 
He said, we've renounced all that. But by the foolishness of preaching and preaching the whole counsel of the word of God, here a little, there a little, precept upon precept, is what Isaiah said. And so, why do they lie and wait to deceive? Why did they hate Amos? When he brought his plumb line. Because you put a plumb line against a crooked wall, it shows up absolutely the crookedness of that wall. And the plumb line of the word of God preached in this world shows the crookedness. He told Amos, the, the, the priest told Amos, get your your preaching away from here. This is the king's chapel. And these people can't stand what you're doing. They're saying, oh, you can't preach that. You can't say that. I can say what the word of God says. He said, well, they can change the law and stop you. Well, they might change the law, but they're not going to stop me. They'll have to cut my tongue out. And I'm sure they're capable of doing that. But that's the only way they'll stop me or stop anybody else that's given up to the Lord, given over to the Lord. He says, but now speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is ahead even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, making an increase of the body into the edifying of itself in love. Now, folks, you may hear big preachers, you may hear big evangelists, and many others say, the church has failed. <laughs> Anybody ever heard something like that? I remember a guy, Southern Baptist, said, he got up in a conference and preached and said, it's, it's Baptist's fault because I'm fat. Because they haven't ministered to the whole man. As if it's the church's business to exercise you and feed you a diet. What is a church? It is an assembly of people that have been regenerated and they've got the same testimony. Bill Kazee said that real plain. And his tract on why Baptists cannot unionize with others. They've had the same kind of baptism. The same kind of confession of faith. And they have joined together to carry out the commission. The commandments of God. Now some of these brethren don't like, like people being put under the commandments of God. But Jesus put us under the commandments of God. Did he not? This is the love of God that you keep his commandments. Well, which ones are they? Huh. Anyhow, they say the church has failed. Well, I want to tell you first off, I don't know what church we're talking about. There is no the church. 
unless you're speaking about a church. This is the church that meets at 5897 Old Richmond Road in Fayette County, Kentucky. Now, this is not the same church that meets in Metathorpe or Briar Hill Road. This is the church that meets Old Harps Corner or 5897 Old Richmond Road. This church is complete. We have Christ as our head. We have the Holy Spirit as our administrator. We have a pastor who is the overseer. And we have our congregation, which is the authority. And what is our our commandments, what are our commandments from the Lord? Go ye into all the world teaching, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching all things whatsoever I have. There it is again, commanded you. Now you, you antinomian fellas, you need to read the Bible every now and then. Anyway, I'm suggesting, I'm not suggesting, I'm telling you. The church that Jesus built has not failed. And is not about to fail. Because he said he will be with his kind of church until he comes back and receives it unto himself. And he's been with his kind of church ever since he organized them in Matthew 16. Now, our goal has always been, as Paul tells us, that we might come in the unity of the faith. Unity means one. This whole subject in chapter 4 has been based off of one. There's one body. One spirit, one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. One. Unity. One. Uno. Unity. One. That's what it has always been. Now, according to Protestantism, that's what started... Uh, loosely in 1525 with Martin Luther posting the 95 thesis on the Wittenberg Palace door. And there's always a great reformer. Well, now wait a minute. What was he reforming? If he's reforming the church that Jesus built, that means that Jesus lied. So you all that believe in those Reformation people, the very fact that they exist proves that they're teaching that Jesus lied. I tell those Reformed brethren, 
They preach a lot on the sovereignty of God. Your God ain't near as sovereign as mine is. My God is a whole lot more sovereign than yours is because you don't believe that your God can build a church and perpetuate it every day for 2,000 years and on into whenever he comes after it. I believe that my God is able to deliver what he promised. Then we have the church has failed. If the church has failed, Jesus Christ is the one that's failed. Now you're hearing this from some some areas now. Now, unity of the faith. What they say is that things got so rough. So how rough did they get? They got so rough that all of the Lord's churches ceased to exist. That's what they say. Then Jesus has failed. Well, did Paul quit? No. He said, I finished my course. What was his course? It's the one that the Lord laid out for him. He said, I finished my course and all the rest of them that the Lord ordained finished their course and God willing, we got a few in this world that will finish our course. And we won't back down. We won't back up. Say, well, it'll kill you. And, and, and what's the problem there? Is that a problem? How many have they murdered? How many have they tortured? You know, they, you can get a few of them that will talk about the Inquisition of the Middle Ages as if it all started in Spain and stopped right there and was just for a short time. Oh, no, it got, it got official about 1229. Somewhere right in there, right about the same time that they outlawed the Bible. The Catholic Church did. But the same stuff had been going on for centuries before then. Matter of fact, it started in the first century. Well, they cut John the Baptist's head off. Well, they stoned Stephen to death. Let alone what happened to our Lord. And by the end of the first century, every last one of the apostles had been executed in one way or another because of the word of God. When you, when you get a little bit neglectful about the Bible, just remember John the Revelator said, Revelation 1, he said, I was in the Isle of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. And that's where they all were because of the word of God. Then they say, oh, well, you didn't, they didn't really have the word until all these reformers came and started. Oh, oh yes, they did. Oh, oh, boy, they're proud of themselves, aren't they? Anyway, so the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, the measure 
of the fullness of Christ. I just read it to you from verse 13. There for the perfecting of the saints, the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now do you realize what they're saying? If they say that in the Middle Ages, we used to call them the Dark Ages, but the liberals have stopped doing that now. They just call them medieval times. But we call them the Dark Ages because that's when the Catholic Church got their power and the power over the governments in all of Europe and it really got dark then. Then the Catholics come and claim that they're the ones that, that preserved the word of God. No, they're the ones that did their dead level best to destroy the work of God by hook or by crook. Any way they could, then they outlawed it and still it's still outlawed. You check, you check the writings of the Catholic Church today. The Inquisition and the uh, outlawing of the Word of God are still active on the books of Roman Catholicism. As I speak, I've never been, been delivered or quit, stopped. Now this is our goal, what I've just told you from chapter, verse 12 and 13. This is the goal of the Lord's churches. Now, if the church has failed, that means that that was not. Ha when did it cease to happen? Oh, when it got so bad, there were no more churches. You mean to tell me there were days, weeks, months, and years in which God did not have a faithful witness on the face of the earth that his saints could come and be taught the word of God, strengthened in order to carry out his will? Do you realize what that's saying? That is, if there are, are, are so-called churches in existence that are not churches that go back to the time of Jesus Christ, then that means that the Lord's churches failed. And they're right, hold on, what they're saying when they say the church has failed. They're saying Christianity has failed, I guess is what they're saying. They're saying universal invisible church has failed. But the Lord's churches have not failed. I'm telling you that in every age. I don't know where it is, where it would have been. wasn't in a big way, it still isn't in a big way. You ask people that travel and have to try to find a sound church someplace. Find a church that preaches a whole counsel of God. And they are few and far between. They're there. But you've got to dig to find them. They're few and far between. Is that because the Lord has failed? No. No. They've always been few and far between. Because they're not where the money is. They're not where the cloud is. They're where the Lord puts them. Now this goal will be reached. Unity, knowledge, fullness. It will be reached when the Lord comes. But it is being reached as we speak. Now, it's a goal that has been being reached in all ages. Now I want to give you this, a little bit of history. In the second century, we know in the first century, Revelation was written 
in either 95 or 96. I choose 95 because I can deal with five better than I can six. But the book of the Revelation was written no sooner than A.D. 95. And no later than A.D. 96. And you can't prove me wrong on that. There are those that try to say it was written before 70 A.D. And that's just so they can uphold their eschatological scheme. But that's what it is. It's a scheme. It's not the word of God. I don't know if anybody will listen to this or not, but you're welcome to listen to it and welcome to have people to listen to it. But by the second century, persecutions are riff. That means there's a bunch of them. Persecutions are coming. Now, not so much from Jews, because the Jews in 70 AD, they had to scatter for themselves. Now, from the pagans, the Roman and Greek pagans, in that world where they were. That's where their persecutions are coming from. But in that second century, there was a group of people that began to be called Montanists. And that was because they had a strong leader named Montanus. Those are Latin names. That's what those, the language at that time was Latin. Latin and Greek, but mostly Latin. Well, who were these Montanists? Now listen, when you tell everybody that, that our church goes back to the time of Christ, we don't go back to the time of Christ through the strict name Baptist. That name has not been used always. We trace our history through the doctrines we find churches that preach and teach and practice the same doctrines that we do. We claim kinship with them. That's like going into a field trying to find the parents of your, your, your the shoe and the, the you and the ram of your, your lamb. You have to go back and find one that looks like it. But like begets like. Now, so we don't do it through the name. Now, there's nothing wrong with the name. It's the only name given in Scripture. But that name was not necessary to have been used, and it wasn't used even as Anabaptist until about 253 A.D. That's the next century. And that wasn't a denominational name. That was a practice is what that was. Anyway, so you had the Montanist. Well, what did they teach and practice? They denied that baptism brought salvation. Do you know how many so-called denominations in this world today would be eliminated if you cut them out of teaching that baptism is necessary for salvation? A large majority of so-called Protestantism, that's what they teach, and they got it from their mother, the Roman Catholic Church. Of course, Greek Catholics, they're the same too. So, can we identify with that? We, we identify with baptism does not bring salvation. We, we definitely identify with that, all right? They denied, of course, infant baptism didn't develop until a little bit later. 
But it's all about, back about that time. They denied infant baptism. You see, that's what, they, what the, uh, the Catholics did at first. They immersed their babies. The Greek Catholics or the Eastern Orthodox, they still immerse their babies. Because they're Greeks and they know what the Greek language is. Simple as that. They couldn't possibly sprinkle like the Roman Catholics do. And the Episcopalians and the Lutherans and many of the others. They sprinkle and do all that. The Methodists and uh, many others do that. But almost every one of them. In their doctrinal statements. What they teach. They do teach that baptism is a part, if not all, of the salvation of individuals. Every one. I've read that to you before from each one of them. They all do that to one degree or another. They deny infant baptism. True churches deny infant baptism. We know for a fact that in the book of Acts, They did not baptize babies. Acts 16. The Philippian jailer. And Paul took them that night. And baptized him and his house. They say see. There had to be babies in that house. So they're baptizing babies. There you go. We've renounced. Handling the word of God deceitfully. That's handling the word of God deceitfully. Just like we demand immersion for baptism. In the book of Acts again. When the Ethiopian eunuch. When, when Stephen went to him. Or Philip went to him. He said see here is much water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And he said. If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest be immersed. And he was working under the authority of the church at Jerusalem. But look at, look at that. If thou believest with all thine heart, bring a little baby. And ask that little baby if he can believe with all its heart. Well, you're an idiot if you do. That's a baby. That baby can't believe with anything. All that baby knows is die, die, mama. And a bottle and the other end and all that. That's all, all that baby can, can know. But you find Catholics, Roman and Greek, Episcopalian and all those others, men, most of the others, they come and they either sprinkle them and or christen them. You've even got some Baptist churches doing Big Baptist churches now bringing babies and having them a christening service. They want to do all that stuff. But not these people. Not the kind of church that Jesus built. Let me move on. They were premillennial. They believed in the they were all, matter of fact you get in the Encyclopedias. Look up Kiliast. That's the word, the Greek word for thousand. 
millennial. They were called Kilius. We are Kilius. And so were the ancient Montanists. They believed in the literal kingdom of Christ coming on earth. They were not amillennial. They were not preterist. They were premillennial. And they believed in a regenerate membership. Only saved people could be admitted to the church as members. So we don't want everybody. Yeah, we want everybody that God says. But we can't have somebody, a member of our church, that we haven't seen evidence that they're saved. Amen. That's Baptist doctrine, Bible doctrine. They were democratic. One is your master, even Christ, and all your brethren. And they practiced church discipline. Now I'll give you this, a little tidbit here. The writers, some of the writers, church history writers, not Baptist historians, but others, they accuse Montanus of being, of saying that he himself is the Holy Spirit. Which is an absolute lie. Montanus did nothing more than say it. I'm preaching this word of God by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It's God's Spirit working in me, working in you. And that's all. And yet they accuse him of saying he's the Holy Spirit. He did no such thing. Besides that, he could read the scripture that uh, a spirit hath not flesh and bones. I got flesh and bones. I'm not a spirit. I have a spirit, but I'm not a spirit. Neither was he. Anyway, in that second century, we have the Montes. In the third century, we have the Novationist. Uh, they range from Armenia, which is up in northern Turkey, all the way down to, over to Spain. They joined with the Montanists. They were the same cut and hue. They had a schism in Rome over church discipline, but their beliefs were the same. Now Jesus said, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. So there you've got the Montanists, and then you've got the Novations. They came up in Rome. But then they ranged all over. Uh, they have all kinds of accusations about them. You got to learn who to read after. When you're reading after an enemy of Baptists, you need to read that, read that very cautiously. Be careful what you accept from that enemy of Baptists. You're reading something from a, a heretic. You better be careful about what you read. Anyway, that's true with anything. Then we have in the third, the fourth century, we, we go down to northern Africa. You see, I believe that the Ethiopian eunuch, Amen. he was there in Jerusalem. And he was saved. There's no doubt that he was saved there in the book of 
course, you know that the modern versions cut part of that testimony out. The part that says, if thou believest with all thine heart, the modern versions, most of them cut that out. And that's what they're handling the word of God deceitfully. It's in my Bible and it's going to stay. But the Ethiopian eunuch, I don't know, uh, uh, he was a wealthy man. He was a, next to Candace, a queen, and had a high position. And he went back to Ethiopia. And at that time, Ethiopia was a large part of northern, central and northern Africa. And I believe he carried the gospel back. Plus, what else did he have? Scriptural baptism. He received baptism at the hand of Philip, who had the authority of the church at Jerusalem, who had the authority of Jesus Christ, the authority of John the Baptist's baptism. That's proven. There's no question about that. And so he went back with authority. And I believe he did what he's supposed to do, preach the gospel. I believe he started churches. By the, third, by the fourth century, 311, early on there, the Donatus party, there was a man named Donatus, just like it was Montanus, it's Donatus. And the Novatius, there was a Novatus in the church at Rome, not the Roman Catholic Church, the church at Rome. And these Donatus covered all of northern Africa, three or four hundred miles all the way down in the country. Huge territory. And there were many of them. Do you know what? They uh, believe the same thing as the Novations, as believed the Montanists. And there's evidence, you've got to dig and find it, but the evidence is there that they exchanged members. They were all the same cut and hue. Uh, and you know, Augustine, so-called Saint Augustine, hated the Donatists. He hated them with a passion. He wrote against them. Paul said, be careful, they're trying to get you. He took the scriptures and tried to defeat them because they practiced church discipline. He took the uh, wheat and the tares and said, you, you have no right to fool with them till, till the end of the world when the Lord does it. When I came to church out here, I had an adult lady Sunday school teacher teaching the Augustinian doctrine in the Sunday school class. And she had been permitted to be there for a while. I don't know how long she'd been teaching. But she had been permitted to do that for a long time. I don't know how many people she infected by that. But, but she didn't teach any longer. I can't allow a heresy to be taught here. And that's heresy. Anyway, so we have those. Uh, I'm not going to talk about that much more. But anyway... Then we go on the 6th and 7th century and we pick up the Paulicians up in Armenia. That's up in, in Turkey, in northern part of Turkey. They, were, they had the same basic doctrines. Matter of fact, I've got, a, I've got a reprint, a Xerox copy of a book written by the Paulicians called The Key of Truth and it was copied from the original book that they know it went back to the 800s and maybe to the 600s. They're not sure of that. But, and it's, it's difficult reading. It's been translated, but old Connie Bear translated that. But anyway, uh, 
They are Baptists in their doctrine and practice. They were accused of being Manichaeans. Well, that's an, that's an old uh, Persian uh, heresy, Manichaeanism. And that's just because they believed in living a clean life. They believed that a child of God ought to act like it. And accused them of being Manichaean. Because she, that, that rubbed, ruffled the feathers of the Catholic Church. Because they wanted to be able to do whatever they wanted to do. And still, if it's wrong, they get a, they get a, a absolution from the Pope. But they want to do it anyway. Oh, that's just like right now. You go out to Keeneland. I don't want you to do it. But if you ever go out to Keeneland, uh, you'll find them out there with black shirts and white collars. Gray shirts and white collars, from Roman Catholic priests to Episcopalian priests, and you know that everyone will have either a beer or a mixed drink in their hand. They go out there and drink, and they gamble. They do anything and everything they want to do. And then they go. Then they go to confession. You know what? These people, the Paulicians, and all of these folks, they preached against that. They believe that a child of God, a church member, a preacher, ought to live a godly life. We believe that too, don't we? Until you had the Paterinis in Italy and the Cathari. Many of them were called Cathari. They were all called Anabaptists because they all would not accept unauthorized baptism into their assemblies. And some idiots are calling themselves Anabaptists now as if it's a denominational name. It never was. A denominational name. It was a practice. Anyway, the Bogomils in Bulgaria, the Petrobrusians, uh, the Albigenses in south of France, uh, Henricians from the Henry of Lausanne, uh, Arnoldists uh, in Italy, Waldensians, and you could go on with many more names. And you know what? They all had the same. I suggest to you that the Lord's church has not failed. The Lord's church, his kind of churches are still here doing what he ordained them to do. And they have been doing it every day and every week and every month and every year since Matthew 16, 18 when the Lord founded his kind of church. There's a consistency of doctrine and practice among them all. There's total rejection amongst them of pagan Romanism. Do y'all know that nobody practiced Christmas in the churches until after Constantine came? He's the one that instituted that. And Martin Luther is the one that invented the Christmas tree to bring it in and decorate it. And put the images of the sun and the moon and the stars and the angels and all of that stuff on the Christmas tree. It didn't start here. It started way back then. And it didn't start from the word of God. And finally, his work is in us. He has, he has and has a successful program. But what has happened is that many... Folks have died like a fool. They did just like Abner. David said Abner died like a fool. Why? Because he knew Joab was his enemy. 
He knew Joab was going to be on him. And he let Joab come and whisper sweet nothings in his ear. And when he got there, he ran a knife in the fifth rib. And that's why David lamented. He said, died Abner? Did Abner die as a fool dieth? And he surely did because he didn't recognize his enemies. And I tell you, we've got a bunch of them today. They're making headwind on getting together with others of not like faith and order. And that's why we've seen so many fall. They're not recognized for enemy. Let me tell you what. You join up with people in another religion, another denomination. You're not going to influence them. They'll pull you down. God help us to know. The Lord is successful in his program.